Angela, and this is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. We are so excited you're joining us today. Mandy and I, of course, are here, but we have a special guest. We don't have guests often, so this is a very happy day. Our friend, Crystal, you'll probably know her as Whole Fed Homestead on social media. She's joining us today because we want to talk to her about her new book, all about freezing. And it's so timely because right now, so many of us are inundated with massive amounts of produce coming in all at once from the garden. So we're going to talk a little bit about freezing as a means to preservation. Hi, Crystal. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Yeah. Thank you for being here. We're so happy that you're here. We're honored. (laughs) (laughs) So Crystal, tell us a little bit about you, your homestead and where you're located. Um, I am in Wisconsin and we have a 19 acre homestead. We are in zone four. So that means we have a pretty short growing season. We pack a lot of gardening into a small amount of time and kind of preserve all we can. And then right out the winter. (laughs) I was going to make a joke when you said we're from Wisconsin, because if anybody doesn't actually know where you're from, when you say that, then they just aren't paying attention because of of your very sweet and cute accent. Crystal, so we we know that you grow a lot, obviously whole fed homestead, but you do have a few animal helpers on the homestead. You want to tell us a little bit about those? Yes, we so we raise honeybees on and off depending on the year, and then we have chickens. Of course, that was the first animal we got when we got our homestead, um, chickens and some ducks for for fresh eggs mostly. Um, and otherwise we have really focused our attention on the growing side of thing. When we, when we moved here, it was a very, very blank slate. There was no infrastructure. There was no gardens. There's no buildings, fencings. I mean, nothing trees. So we have had to put everything in. And so we started with just planting as many fruit trees as we can and, you know, getting the gardens going. And so we've really focused all of our attention there on okay. that side of things. One thing that, um, well, I've been following Crystal for a long, long time. Um, one thing I really love about Crystal's feed, you know, there's this whole piece about harvest and using them in the kitchen and preserving them. But Crystal's also incredibly a pa- passionate about this whole concept of better than organic. I'll let her explain what that is. But a lot of my um, initial interest in orchard care and tree permaculture came from Crystal and some of the resources that she used. And she really got me totally into gills and rethinking the way that I grow fruiting trees. Can we touch on that a little bit, Crystal? Yeah, it's just, it's really important to me personally to have the healthiest food that I can have. And so I love growing it myself because I, I saw it from seed to plate. I know exactly what went into growing it. I know what was sprayed on it. More importantly, what wasn't sprayed on it. And, um, not only is it so much more than organic, I mean, it's, you know, we barely use any sort of sprays or anything like that, of course, but we try to take really good care of the soil and build up the soil so that our fruits and vegetables have as many nutrients in them as possible. Yeah. We talk about that all the time, like feeding our soil because it in turn just 
turns around and feeds us. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess unique way to kind of look at it. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with Crystal's account on Instagram and YouTube, I highly recommend going to Whole Fed Homestead because she saves a lot of her highlights, which are great tutorials and examples of the kind of um, soil building guild and permaculture structuring concepts that I was just uh, just referencing. So now that we kind of have a sense of who Crystal is and her methodology when it comes to her farm, we're going to talk about why she's here today. And that's because she's a freezing expert. Crystal can freeze anything. Well, maybe maybe we're going to find out there's something she doesn't want to freeze. That's not <laughs> question. But Crystal, why are you the queen of freezing? Why freezing? <laughs> well, first, I just really love preserving food in general. Mm-hmm. And I use a lot of methods of preservation every year. I dehydrate and I can and I ferment and I do a lot of root cellaring and I'm, I'm even dabbling in freeze drying now. But, uh, you know, preserving is just like my favorite part of homesteading and growing things. I think I love freezing the most because the food tastes so fresh. To me, frozen food is fresh food. And another benefit is that freezing produce is really quick and easy. I obviously, we're all so busy this time of year, so I appreciate that too. It's also a great way to put away like a small quantity of things. Like maybe you have a smaller harvest that doesn't warrant getting out the canner, which I think is a really common occurrence. Like right now I am, the cucumbers are just starting to produce and I'm picking like a handful every other day. So I made a batch of the brine for my grandma's sweet freezer pickle recipe and I'm keeping it in the fridge. And then every time I pick a few cucumbers, I can put up a pint of pickles in the freezer in like literally less than three minutes. It's so quick, you know, or maybe you have a handful of tomatoes. It's not enough to can, but you can just chop them up and, and stick them in the freezer. And so it's really fast and easy for me. And I think every preservation method has its pros and and cons. I'm not saying it's the perfect, (laughs) the perfect one with no negatives, but if you're comparing like deciding between freezing and canning, which are probably the two more common ways that most people put up a lot of produce. I really value the freedom that comes with freezing. And it's, um, it's like nice to have free reign of the creativity and not have to worry about safe canning rules and botulism and stuff like that. I also find that canning tends to be more time consuming and standing in front of a steaming canner in the hot summer is definitely like not one of my favorite chores at all. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I really like canning too. I do can every year. Um, but I find the texture of frozen fruits and vegetables to be more palatable. And I just appreciate like their freshness. You said two things that I will probably hold on to for ever. That you said that. Fre- well, I mean, it's, it's so, in- I mean, I also have been following Crystal for a very long time and have, you know, we try and soak up so much information from each other, but you said that you, th- that frozen food is fresh food, or did you say it? And that, yeah. yeah, I mean, and I think that is very interesting. I agree with you. I think that the narrative is somewhat changing or maybe you're changing the narrative because when you think about frozen food, a lot of people will automatically go to like, chicken nuggets or French fry, you know, like I'm serious. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. stuff at the grocery store that we get from the frozen section that is, you know, historically known to maybe not be so healthy, but I think that in you first writing your book and then just sharing everything that you do 
with all of us. It's a very interesting perspective and way to look at good, wholesome, fresh food that you can freeze. And then I think the key is, or I think maybe people are a little bit leery that they are not going to, that it won't come, it won't thaw appropriately or, you know, like they maybe don't know how to use it or it gets mushy or something like that. But I don't know, kudos to you because I think you're actually going to change the narrative on how people are, people look at frozen food. Well, thanks. I think that is a good point of, um, it's frozen food is not exactly the same as fresh food. Like that is true. You have to know how to treat it a little bit. And that's part of what I wanted to do with my book is let's take this beautiful frozen food, but let's highlight its best qualities after being in the freezer. Like what are the best uses for it? Because it's not exactly the same, but you can, you know, take that into consideration when you're using it and use it in a way that makes it really shine. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's super interesting. And like you said, it's, I think it's key this time of year, especially because we are all so busy and I'm also like, gosh, now I could just like make a brine and put it in the fridge and then use it. It's, I mean, very helpful information. It's just smart. Yes. I mean, because it is true. Like we, we want to. I mean, typically a lot of us or the goal is to, you know, grow as much food as we can so that, like you said, then you just write out the winter, you know, where your food's coming from and things like that. But uh, I mean, maybe just speaking for myself, you should see my kitchen counter. I mean, you can't see it because there's just food everywhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all of this? You know, but you want to, you know, it's kind of like a race against the clock because you want to preserve it. So putting it in the freezer and doing it appropriately then allows me to preserve it like, and come back to it. Yeah. So I know there's going to be questions on behalf of folks listening about how to logically or realistically freeze such large amounts of produce. So Two questions. Number one, how much freezer space do you have, Crystal? And number two, what sort of containers are appropriate for the different types of food that you're freezing? How much freezer space do I have? Okay, a lot. Actually, I probably average or maybe even below average compared to most homesteaders. I don't know. Is this like an I'll tell you how many freezers I have and you tell me how many (laughs) freezers you have? Sure. Kind of deal. Yeah. Um, Well, we learned really early on, if we were going to buy a freezer, we wanted to have, we wanted to get like the biggest one we could find. And I wholeheartedly recommend that. It seems like you can never have enough freezer space, which is probably why most of us have multiple of them. So get the biggest one you can afford, get the biggest one that you have room for. You won't regret that. We have two and they're the like around 25 cubic foot ones. They're like the, the big, big ones, pretty much the biggest ones that you can get from like Home Depot. Okay in a residential way before you get into the commercial realm and their deep freezers, chest freezers, which is my preference. Um, one is pretty strictly for meat because we buy whole animals, half animals from local farms every year. And then the other is for all the other stuff, mostly fruits and vegetables, of course, lots of fruits and vegetables in it. That's the bulk of it. And then also like butter. I like to freeze a lot of butter and cheese and frozen eggs and, uh, you know, ice cream, things like that. Um, as far as freezer containers, there are there are a lot of different considerations, and it does have an impact on the quality of 
your produce. It does really have an impact on basically how soon or how quickly you might get freezer burn on your food, which is obviously what we're trying to avoid. And so there are freezer bags and then rigid freezer containers, which are either going to be glass or plastic. Those are the two main categories you'll be working with bags and containers. And quality matters a lot. The thickness of the bag or container is important. Get bags that are meant for the freezer. They're labeled freezer bags and they're much thicker. They're more protective. Don't get the ones that are for storage called storage bags. Those just will not do anything for you. And same for containers. Those that are meant for the freezer will perform a lot better over time than say like a recycled yogurt container or a takeout container, or if you're my grandmother, old Cool Whip containers. (laughs) And um, freezer bags excel at holding things that are really bulky or large, like green beans and broccoli and raspberries, things like that. I don't prefer bags for liquids because I tend to spill them. And um, I don't like bags for thicker sauces like pesto or apple butter because it, it it's kind of hard to scrape those things out of the bag and then you you like lose half of your product inside the bag because you can't get it out. Um, rigid containers are really great for things that will go from the freezer to the fridge and be used frequently, like things you dip into over and over like pickles or jams, things like that. And I don't like rigid containers for bulky foods because it's impossible to remove the air between the pieces of food which will promote freezer burn like picture a jar filled with strawberries and you can you can like see all the spaces between those berries if you have spaces between your food you've also got a lot of air between your food and air is the enemy of pretty much every preservation technique and indefinitely freezing as well and you can't squeeze that air out of a rigid container like you can with a bag and i would say in general i prefer freezer bags, going back to the space issue, I I do think that they're easier to pack in a freezer. Like they take up just a little bit more, a little bit less room than a a bulkier container does. So I only use rigid containers when it really makes sense to. And I do prefer plastic containers over glass. You can freeze in glass. I know a lot of people do and like it. And that's fine. And I, I have instructions in my book on how to freeze in glass if that's what you like, but it can break even when you do everything right. So I generally like the plastic containers. Are you um, familiar with any sort of a reusable plastic bag for freezing? Um, I have seen them. I haven't really used them. I know that there are silicone ones that people use in like, like stasher bags, but those to me are more of a rigid container because unlike a, a true plastic bag, you can't squeeze the air out of those. Sure. So they, they fall more onto the rigid container side for me. Okay. All right. Good to know. I was just uh, curious about that for my own information. I do like the idea. I do have some food frozen in the large Ziploc freezer safe storage bags, but I much prefer a reusable option if I could. Yeah. And actually you can can reuse freezer bags. I like to say uh, something is only reusable as only a single use. If you use it one time, like if you're just freezing something really tame, like broccoli, you can absolutely rinse that bag out and dry it out and use it multiple times. I mean, it's a chore, yes, but you can definitely get away with doing that. Sure. No, that's a good point. That's a good point for folks. Yeah, we reuse bags. We freeze a lot of goat milk. Mm-hmm. And I will, because it will then come out of the bag, mostly still frozen, like for soap or lotion. And I will rinse the bag out if it's still, you know, solid and reuse it. Because otherwise, then gosh, you're just, you're going through them. So, I, But I agree. It's, it's nice to be able to have a reusable. Um, Okay. 
So, but what? But what happens if the power goes out, Crystal? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. So that is like the biggest negative of freezing stuff is that you are reliant on electricity. Um, for us, it's it's a really important preservation tool. So we have a generator mm-hmm. for backup. Sure. And I recommend if you if you are going to have a lot of freezers full of stuff and really important to you that that's a great thing to have. However, and, and that's more for long term. If you are losing power for like a few hours at a time or maybe like a day at a time and that's common for where you live, get a chest freezer. They hold on to their cold for days and days, like sometimes up to 3-4 days if of course you can't open it. Don't open it. But it will keep your food fo- frozen for a really long time. They have that staying power. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that would probably be the biggest negative or like one and probably the only negatives. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've kind of talked about the space thing, but you have to have, I mean, it's it, pros and cons to everything. And, and, you know, um, we do also freeze a lot of food mainly because of time and stuff like that. Okay. So what, I mean, I've seen, like you've said, apple butter and just butter and, you know, so many different things. But what what are some things, are there any things that you don't freeze or that you wouldn't recommend freezing maybe because uh, the integrity of the food is lost? Or I guess also, in addition to that, the nutritional value, are there any foods that lose any type of nutritional value when being frozen and then thawed? Yes. So pretty much on the nutritional piece, that is something that I have looked into a lot because I I really care about that. Mm -hmm. And there is so much information. There is so much conflicting information and it greatly depends. Like the nutrient content of your fruits and vegetables depend number one on your soil and when it was picked and then how soon you preserve it after it was picked because pretty much food is like a ticking time bomb. As soon as you take it from that plant, it is immediately starting to lose nutrients, no matter what you, no matter what you do. And refrigeration slows that obviously, and freezing slows that. Of course, blanching your vegetables will help with nutrient loss over time. So in most cases, it's recommended to blanch your vegetables. But as far as nutrient content and, you know, which preservation method preserves that the most, it just, it really varies on so many things. And I haven't found what I think is a really good, straight, credible answer. I think the overarching theme is to grow your fresh vegetables if you can, or or get them at a farmer's market, whatever. And if you're going to preserve them, preserve them as soon as you can and eat them in a timely manner. Don't leave something in your freezer for ever for, you know, like a year is probably a good amount of time to try to eat something within, you know, try to eat it before the next season. Um, As far as things I don't freeze, talking about fruits and vegetables, there's one thing I purposefully did not put in my book and that is Brussels sprouts. I have tried to freeze them many times over the years and pretty much every time I've had to throw them out, I just could not make them work and taste good. And so they're not worth it to me, not something I wanted to recommend for other people to freeze. I do have instructions on freezing asparagus in the book, which is another one that I almost didn't include. It has one redeeming quality though. Frozen asparagus works really good in like a pureed asparagus soup. But other than that, it's not my favorite. I think people would be really surprised to learn the variety of things that you can freeze though. Even something like lettuce um, or cucumbers and pickles and 
I mean, avocado, citrus, beets, garlic, like there are so many things that if you have a little know-how, you can freeze very successfully. I mean, I think- Go ahead, Mandy. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying like, I think that everybody just probably needs to get your book because it's freezing avocados. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, you can. Yep. There, um, again, it's a thing where it's, it's not quite as, it's not exactly like fresh. They're a little bit softer when they thaw, but their taste is spot on. And you know, sometimes it's really hard to find a ripe avocado when you need a ripe avocado. If you got them in the freezer, it just takes a little while to thought and you can make guacamole and, um, you know, super handy. My mind is blown because like we will buy avocados. We eat them a lot, you know, just in, in a lot of different things, sandwiches and whatever. But then, you know, one day it's terrible and the next day it's gone <laughs> bad. So, wow. Yeah. I think that you might've changed my life a little bit. Right then. What I think the people need to know is that Crystal, if you follow her, if you've seen any of her content, and we'll dive into the book in just a second here, Crystal is sort of an aficionado of fine foods. Like, Crystal has, it's whole fed homestead. Like, Crystal has such an appreciation for flavor and texture and nutritional value. And I mean, Crystal, lovingly, you're a food snob, right? Uh, Yeah, I would say that I am. (laughs) (laughs) But I say it in the most loving way. Yes, Crystal. That's true. So when Crystal recommends freezing or these recipes and these combinations, these tried and true tactics, they're going to be good. This is not her taking um, the opportunity to write a book and just say, hey, just chuck something in the freezer and thaw it and eat it. These are things that... Not only are these preserved, the quality is going to be extremely high. So, Crystal, tell us about your book. What's it called? Where can people find it? What's what's the book about? Well, it's called Freeze Fresh, and it teaches you how to freeze your produce. So just like there are canning books and dehydrating books, this is all about freezing. And the front chapter of the book goes into a lot of how-to information, like blanching, lots of information about blanching and how to do it and when to do it, when not to do it and flash freezing, how to choose a freezer container like we just talked about, and things like that, plus a little history and science of freezing. And then the rest of the book, the bulk of the book, is an A to Z produce guide that goes through freezing 55 of the most common fruits and vegetables. And there's three main components there. The first is a very thorough, detailed instructions for freezing fruits and vegetables in common ways that you would expect, plus unique and creative ways to, for example, you'll find instructions on freezing shredded zucchini and zucchini chunks, but you'll also find instructions for zucchini noodles. And in the cauliflower chapter, you'll learn how to freeze florets, of course, as you would expect. And you'll also learn how to freeze cauliflower rice and cauliflower puree. And then there are recipes that are meant for the freezer, recipes that freeze well. To use zucchini as an example, again, two of my favorite ways to freeze zucchini One is stewed garlic butter zucchini, which is like a slow-cooked zucchini. It eats like a mashed potato. We eat it like as a side dish, like a mashed potato in the winter. It's so good. So good. And then the other one is um, zucchini pancakes, which you reheat from frozen in a toaster like a Pop-Tart. And that's kind of fun. So there's a lot of things like that and salsas and sauces and pestos, jams, soups, that kind of thing. And then the last part is 
recipes for using frozen produce because frozen doesn't have quite the same, doesn't behave quite the same as fresh. I have tons of recipes that use frozen produce and really help it to shine, kind of how I was talking about before, bringing out its best qualities. For example, cabbage. You can freeze cabbage, and a great way to use it is in cabbage soup. So I have a cabbage roll soup recipe. And then one of my other favorites is crackers made from frozen beets and um, lots of fruit desserts. I have a tart cherry oatmeal bar made with frozen cherries. I really try to pack a lot of creativity and a lot of usefulness into the book. That's incredible. I mean, I'm, well, I'm looking at it right now, but um, I just flipped to the, a page about freezing caramelized fried onions. I'm like, what? And it's just so many things that like, we just don't think, we just, I never thought to do anything like that. And then, so I, for everybody listening, I think that the, if you know me and you know Crystal, here's, here's our difference. <laughs> Is like Crystal makes, like Angela was saying just a little bit ago, you will make like really nice like things for your lunch. You know, like a lot of people like reserve that for dinner. It'll be like noon, my time, which I think we're like similar in time. And you're making like really nice lunch. I'm like eating a peanut butter sandwich. Like that's the difference between us. Uh, (laughs) I do love good food. I That's like my favorite part of life. I just love to eat good food. Well, I think that, I mean, it's multifaceted. I mean, that's why this book is, is so celebrated and, um, you know, that's why you are a wealth of knowledge and that's why people can actually trust that you're saying, because it's you like, not you're, you're actually like walking the walk when you've done all these things. Right. I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh yeah. Well, I do have one more question before we wrap up. Crystal, I have these, um, I idealized images of you out in your your farm, your homestead, picking your produce in these beautiful baskets and then bringing it inside and you're like going through it and you're freezing it. Is everything that you freeze homegrown or do you freeze store-bought or farmer's market items too? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. So when I was writing the book, I had to take a lot of help from the store because obviously like I'm not growing citrus, I'm not growing pineapple here in, you know, my cold weather Wisconsin. And I was creating some of it in the off season too. So I did have to buy stuff from the store, which I honestly just hated. (laughs) I guess that, you know, we're so spoiled. I am so spoiled on (laughs) food, but right now, pretty much every fruit and vegetable that I'm freezing, mostly we grow ourselves. I do order in like some peaches every year because those don't grow here. So I like to have some frozen peaches in the freezer. But other than that, it is mostly what we're growing and I am collecting it in beautiful baskets. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not okay, like, so you were totally right. Yeah. yeah but. Maybe it's not as I feel like as maybe you think, cause I'm like out there and like an old t-shirt and I'm sweaty and stuff, but I, I am collecting <laughs> in a beautiful basket. <laughs> same crystal, same. Um, but I think it's also worth noting that like folks, I mean, that we can, like, you can go to, you can get this book and you can go to like a, you know, support a local farm or go to the farmer's market or something like that. And you can do these recipes and you can do all this. You don't actually have to grow it all, but yeah, absolutely. Like any food fresh grown in season near where you live is going to be incredible food. You absolutely don't have to grow it yourself. So if you have a farmer's market, maybe you're a member of a CSA, all fair game for freezing. Definitely. Yes. Um, okay. So if you could only grow one thing, what would it be? Um, I, 
practical, probably herbs. I love using fresh herbs. I use them in multiple meals a day. I am always running out the front door to pick fresh herbs. They're just a staple. And it's it's like I get a lot of bang for my buck out of them because I use them so much. But really, I do love the tomatoes. I love growing the heirloom tomatoes, tomatoes that you will never find anywhere else, you know, and standing out in the garden, like eating one in the sun. There's just nothing better than that. Even over your beans that you collect. Yeah. Tomatoes uh-huh. over your beans. Yeah. I one would learn one thing. Squash. Oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. You Look, we're stressing her out. We'll, we'll wrap it up. We're stressing Crystal out. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it was just, um, I don't know. This was such an honor and such a joy to be able to pick your brain just for a very short period of time. We are so happy that you joined us. Everybody, freeze fresh. Okay, that's what the book is called. Amazon, right? Crystal is probably the best place for folks to purchase it. It's, I mean, it'll be on your doorstep. I mean, it's Amazon. Um, <laughs> so we will post a little bit more in show notes about um, Crystal, where you can find Crystal Whole Fed Homestead, and also a link to purchase the book. And thank you so much for joining. Yeah, us. thank you. This was really fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You won't regret following Crystal. Seriously. Whole Fed Homestead. One of my favorite homesteaders. Such a wealth of knowledge and so inspirational when it comes to all she shares and produces. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.